9 Surprisingly Simple Tips to Improve Your Communication. Welcome to episode 49 of the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. I'm your host, Georg Lora. This is the podcast for everybody who is interested in having more success in his project work. This is the third part of the miniseries Improve Yourself. Today, we are talking about communication. And we are talking about some best practice tips to improve your communication. You might remember the situation you have run into in which you find yourself heavily misunderstood. The one you have cooked a meal or a cake for hours, for example. Finally, during having dinner or coffee, you're asking your spouse, what do you say? Do you like it? And on the other side, there is some mumbling about whatsoever, or you receive a very flat, yes, nothing else. Or you're on the other side and you are fully engaged into some other details, thinking about complicated things and you receive the question whether the cake is good and you disturbingly respond, uh, yes, without thinking one more moment about it. You all remember what happens after such situations. Something has gone really wrong. Paul Watzlawick once said, we cannot not communicate. Everything we say or not say, everything we do or not do transfers a message. We cannot decide whether we communicate or do not communicate. Communication happens verbally and non-verbally, explicitly and implicitly. We should be aware that the rising eyebrow, a turn-away face, a dismissive look transfers information to the other person, to the receiver. Example, your superior asks who will write the session protocol and everybody is dropping his head and staring in front of the desk. The message is clear. Me not. So, in this session, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper. We will look into some details what communication means, what happens if we are communicating, and what kind of problems we might run into, even if we have the best intentions. And of course, I will forward you some of my tips to improve your communication style and habit. You guys should listen to this episode if you want to understand why communication could sometimes be that complicated, erroneous, or misleading if you want to improve your communication skills, you are exactly right in this session. This episode will support you in finding more success and even happiness by communicating more effectively. And as always, if you'd like more information, visit the show notes at embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 49. And now, stay tuned and be inspired. We have already now tackled the question, why does communication sometimes go that weird or simply wrong? To maintain this kind of question, I think we should first understand what does communication mean. Is talking communication? Yes, but, no, but not only talking. Is language communication? Yes, but it's not a singular. What's speech then? Speech is an instrument to realize communication, but it's not communication itself, because for communication there are a lot of other channels you can use. There are, for example, uh, your gesture, your facial expression, your mimic, uh, there might be pictures you raise, there might be plans you draw, there might be drawings, there might be videos or whatsoever. Everything is accounted into the topic of communication. So, from a more theoretical approach, quote, Communication is the act of conveying intended meanings from one entity or group to another through the use of mutually understood signs and semiotic rules. Or in more simple words, communication is understanding. So it means the exchange of meanings and contents using a system of signs. And how does it work? Communication seems to be trivial and seems to be quite natural in everyday life. It does not appear problematic. For most situations, it's completely sufficient. Or maybe it would be simply too expensive to question your own communication with every sentence or action. That's not possible in, during day life. So first, if you run into misunderstandings or failures, if you observe problems connected to your communication with others, things start to become more intense. Due to the complexity of communication, you understand there are tons of different models how it works. So the scientific approach is somehow a little bit complicated and I don't want to dive that deeply into these details because I have selected one model I want to explain or want to highlight to you to explain communication. I think it's quite helpful to have some kind of, a, let's say, a little bit of theoretical understanding to yeah, to get a better approach, to get a better entry point for improving communication. If 
I, I need to I need to do that because otherwise the tips I will give I will give you at, uh, in in the in the second part of this session uh, are otherwise too standalone or always seems to be arbitrary why I have selected them over the others. But after understanding the model, it becomes quite clear. At the very beginning, so in the 1950s, 1954, something like that, there were first models of communication and we were designed, we were mirroring the functioning of radio or telephone technology. So you have something like you have a sender, you have a channel and you have a receiver. And this was very, yeah, very raw model, of course. And then there become quite quickly in the 70s we have had some kind of scientific models and uh, there was now also the social interaction has been introduced there are some different models like interactive versus convergence models or relational distance models so it all ends up in the theory of communication but as mentioned that's not the way i want to go with you if you are interested in how it looks like and you are pretty much close to electric uh, message transfers um, then please have a look in, in in the show notes i have some links for you and you can can dive a little bit deeper but today i have selected one model created by friedemann schulz von thun that's the so-called four sides model friedemann schulz von thun you hear it it's a german name it's quite even for the germans it's quite strange name and um, he was born at the 6th of August 1944, and he is a German uh, psychologist and expert for interpersonal, interpersonal communication and intrapersonal communication. He, works, uh, or he worked as a professor of, of psychology at the University of Hamburg. And he raised some, uh, his, standard, um, his standard book he created and he has written is titled Miteinander Reden, that means talking with each other. And it has become a standard textbook series in Germany. In his foresight model, he postulates that there are four different layers of communication. Every message also contains a statement about our relationship with the receiver. And it additionally says something about ourselves and it can be understood as an appeal. Let's have a more detailed look at these four different layers. Let's start with the very obvious, with the so-called matter layer. The matter layer contains a statement which are matter of fact like data of facts which are the part of the news. So that's something what we regularly understood with sending a message or communicating with each other. So we, we often request, please stay factual or um, we must be objective and so on. But we are humans and it's pretty much not possible to be like that. So it is the task of the sender to send the information clearly and understandably. The receiver proves the, with the matter ear, so that's, that's the topic or it's, or it's the terminology of Friedemann, Friedemann Schulz von Thun, he, uh, on, with the layers, he connects these ears. So he says there is a matter ear. At every, everybody of us has that. And this matter ears listens whether the matter message fulfills the criteria of truth. So we can say it's true or untrue. Of relevance. Yes, it's relevant or irrelevant. And the completeness. So it's satisfying or something has to be added. Regularly, the matter layer is a very short exchange. There is only a need for a very, very small amount of, of words or for details to transfer the matter. So it's clear and precise. For example, you say it's half past one. So that's it. So you know, or it's green. Or you are sobbing or crying or you are shouting or whatsoever. So it, it becomes very much clear what is the topic. So what's the matter? Let's take exactly this example. Imagine you are sitting in the car with your spouse and you're standing in front of the traffic light and, and when you say, it's green. So you might know this situation. I, I know it personally <laughs> from, from both sides. So as, as, a, as a, to sitting aside or at the, at the steering wheel. It's a rather, it's a rather complicated um, statement. Even it's that short. We will see in the later in the in the later layers how it's green. Really, uh, receive how you, how you really receive it, and how it is understood. Let's look at the second layer. That's the so-called self-revealing layer, 
or self-disclosure or self-uncovering layer. In this layer, the speaker, consciously or not intended, tells something about himself, his motives, his values and his emotions. In every news, there is information about the sender. On the layer of the self-revealing or self-disclosure, the sender reveals himself. This message consists of conscious intended self-expressions as well as unintended self-revealing, which is not conscious to the sender itself. Thus, every news becomes information about the personality of the sender. On the other side, the receiver with the self-revealing ear perceives which information about the senders are hidden in the message. For example, um, your boss is looking at you in the meeting and asks, who will implement these changes? So the sender's intention or the, the sender's self-revealing is, I want to give the team the chance to organize things by themselves. That's what he considered to be unwilling from his perspective. But what's on the receiver's side? The receiver hears the message, but um, thinks that the revealing of the sender is he has no clue about the organizational structure of his own department. Therefore, he has to ask. So, and that's really complicated then. So, and for example, also someone is sobbing or crying. So the self-revealing at that point might means I'm sad. This person is not saying I'm sad. It's expressing it some way on the matter layer and on the self-revealing layer, there is a different meaning. Or let's come back to our, to our lovely example with the it's green. On the self-revealing layer, it means I'm in a hurry from the, from the, from the sender's perspective. If you are sitting on the, on the, on the side of the, of the driver and it becomes green and it does not start and then you say, it's green. Yeah, I think that expresses the hurry. Let's have a look at the third layer. So that's the relationship layer. The relationship layer expresses how the sender gets along with the receiver and what he thinks about him. Depending on how he talks to him, so the way of formulation, the body language, the intonation, etc., he expresses esteem, respect, friendliness, disinterest, contempt, or anything else. Depending on which, which message the receiver hears with, relationship, with the relationship ear, he feels either depressed, accepted, patronized, encouraged whatsoever. Again, some examples. If there is a shouting at someone, that on the relationship layer, that means you have to listen to me. I'm your boss or something similar, or your superior. Or if someone is crunting, so that could mean on the relationship layer, I cannot say it openly because I'm afraid of the consequences. Or again, the boss looking at you in the meeting when asking who will implement these changes. That might be what the boss means. I'm your boss and your friend and I would expect that you take over this task. So that's on the relationship. That's not the self-revealing, but on the received with the relationship ear, that could mean this one. Or our lovely example with the it's green. That's a little bit complicated then. On the, if someone is saying to you, if you are driving and, um, and uh, he's saying it's green, You could understand it in that way. You are not sufficient in driving. You need my support. And that's something what really very often brings up people. So it's really, they are really pissed off at that moment. Because they say, I'm alone and I can do it for myself. But the other one might have only intended to say, I'm in a hurry, go on. Or it's simply some kind of remark. It's green and you have not recognized it, no problem. But you see, there is already now, there is some kind of misunderstandabilities. And let's have a look at the fourth layer. That's the so-called appeal layer. The appeal layer contains the desire, the advice, or the instruction and the effects that the speaker is seeking for. So what I want to make you do, who states something, will also affect something. The appeal message should make the receiver to do something or leave something undone. The attempt to influence someone can be less or more open or even hidden and it's manipulation. So on the appeal ear, so what the receiver means, and the receiver asks himself, what should I do, think or feel now? 
For example, very often you observe this in the small children and a mother relation or the, the parents' relation. So the small children is, for example, only saying, Mom, my shoes, and whoop, mom is right where to put it on for him. For him. Yeah? So, or that's very easy. So it's the appeal becomes clear. It's only pointing to the shoes um, directly indicates what's going on or what's needed. Or, again, the, the boss looking at you in the meeting and then asking who will implement these changes, It's the appeal is simply, do the changes. Do it. And it's green, you remember, when the appeal is simple, press the pedal to the metal. You might now already have understood that there are a lot of things which can go wrong in communication. All four layers are permanently engaged. You cannot disable some of them intentionally. Even if you concentrate on one layer, you run inevitably into communication problems. If you are right in factual information, you might be wrong in the other layers, for example, in the relationship layer. And your statement might become a disaster and you are fracked. So a lot can go wrong. And from the receiver's perspective, if you prefer one layer over the other, you get a different meaning. Depending on which layer the receiver emphasizes, this discussion will go a very different way. The major problem always is the receiver can select his relevant layer arbitrarily. And you, as a sender, you do not have any chance to, uh, to impact that. You cannot select it for the receiver. Sometimes, people prefer one layer over all the others. Let's see where this ends up. For example, the one who only takes the meta layer into account. These are regularly some kind of blokes. Yeah, we are really without any kind of um, of empathy or of emotions, nothing. Or the one who uses only the relationship layer. So these are the thin-skinned, permanently offended persons. You can say to them whatever you want. We are always, always uh, offended. And it's really a pain to communicate with them because you cannot never... Be, be right, it's always wrong what you're saying. Or you have someone who is only receiving with the self-revealing ear. He's only looking to the sender's side. What does he want to tell me? This layer is very healthy if the sender runs into anger or rage because then you can stay in some distance of him because it's always on the sender's side. It's not on the receiver's side sort of problem. The only situation now you run into is if you only concentrate on this layer, you're starting to immunize yourself from the outside. Everything seems to belong to the others. You are never in charge. You are never, you are never um, in front of anything. You are not never related to something. And then finally, if you are, or if someone is only using the appeal ear, is only every time uh, listening on to things, what does the other want me to do? These are the typical people who want to do who wants to do it right for everybody. So everybody, be everybody's darling. Well, let's see. We have already now mentioned some kind of problems in communication, but there are also other reasons, especially for receiving errors. The way how the receiver sees herself, the self-concept has a very high impact into the understanding of the message. It always heavily impacts the layers the receiver is listening to. So someone who has a quite negative self-understanding might look very strongly on the relationship layer or on the appeal layer to, to please the other person. And this might, this might cause already their initial communication problems. Or it's also the understanding of the communication is also impacted by the picture of the sender on the receiver's side. So what does the receiver think about or what does what is his picture of the sender and what does the receiver see in the sender or how well do they know each other is there some kind of outer indication for example typical situation you see a police uniform and suddenly your communication will change most likely with lots of people they do it and some of them change it in positive some of them in the negative way or you see the white gown of a doctor so that also changes your habit that also changes your your communication or you see someone on the outside with, uh, with a blue collar and uh, safety shoes. That also changes or might change your communication. So there are already 
correlating messages which might also impact receiving errors. So if there are multiple meanings in the same message, that's very often one meaning is, in, is made intentionally and the other one is unconsciously added. So for example, if I enter the room of my 17 years old son, it regularly looks like a mess there. So it It's like a SEAL team out of his video games has just left after action. So what I say is, clean up the mess. However, inside of this message, there is also, you should have already cleaned it up days before. That's the correlating inner message. Not that I said he should clean up makes my son angry, but the correlated message that he does not take care for his duties. That's regularly where I get this kind of offensive stream to me. Yeah, and now the question is, how can we now improve communication? It looks awfully complicated. What shall we do? First of all, we need to understand, as the sender, we are in the dark. First, the feedback shows us what the receiver might have understood. So very first thing you should keep in mind, not the thing you mean you have transferred is the one what the receiver will understand. What happens triggered by the message is partly created by the receiver himself. So that means the received message, uh, the received meaning is partly created by the receiver himself, independent what you have sent or what your intentions were or whatsoever. There might be even hidden key triggers. So it's like someone stroke a big gong. Messages sometimes hit you directly into your stomach. Very often things like the voice pitch of someone reminds you of some history or persons you have had bad feelings about. Or the looking of someone reminds you of someone in your life and your feeling changes. The question is, what does the message do with me as a receiver? Why can I not distinguish the four layers apart? Why does only one layer win again and again? You see, Communication is neither easy nor simple. There are tons of obstacles, hidden traps, roadblocks preventing you from good communication. By the way, what does good communication mean? In my understanding, good communication means, first of all, effectiveness. So communication should transfer exactly what is intended to be transferred. And that's already the problem. Eh? Do you really know what you want to transfer? So you need clarity in your communication. Inner clarity is essential for human communication. Any first step in communication should be to evaluate what do I want to say to others. And as the receiver adds his own addition to the message, the message intention will be modified without the sender's will. So you should reduce the misunderstandability in your statements. So very often things like irony, sarcasm and so on are highly misunderstandable. There are even cultures where do not understand it. And then it's very, very complicated. And you should be very aware that the receiver might, yes, even will misunderstand you. That's the very intentional thing. So good communication also means that you expect the misunderstanding. Misunderstandings are the most natural thing on earth. Very often treated as exceptional cases, but it's directly the opposite. It's, it's, it's more or less the general way how we work, misunderstanding things. Very important for the tips and how to improve your communication. This is one of the main biases. Take misunderstanding as the default value. And be aware that communication means sender and receiver. So in a communication, you are the receiver too. You are also responsible for your additions to the sender statement. You also receive parts of the sender and then you do your additions. You're adding details. You are also listening with all four ears. Distinguish these three different receive actions. Very, very regularly, at the very first, you notice something. Then there is a second step. You interpret it. And then there's a third thing. You feel something. Great communicators can send precisely and with less chance to be misunderstood. And they know about their own inner layers. They can separate them and use them for their own purpose. Taking all these details into account, you will understand that tips and tricks for better communication will never be able to give you more when a strong push. There is not the golden recipe you can use and afterwards you are godfather of communication. No way. Sorry, no. There is always a continuous improvement mandatory. So there are other improvements too you can do. 
Perhaps there is even a different model which might be more appropriate for you than the when the four than the four sides model. So it depends on what. But I think it, the very best step to come closer to communication is to think about it. How are you communicating? What's the way you're communicating? And might there be opportunities? Might there be chances to become better? And this is the point now we jump into. Nine surprisingly simple tips to improve your communication. Tip number one, be as precise as possible. That's the meta layer. If you refer to a situation, address this situation. If there is a concrete behavior, address exactly this behavior. Describe it verbally. Describe it with a picture. Refer to it. Uh, be very precise, very elaborate how this situation, how this behavior looks like, that the other one can really understand what you mean. If you have numbers or other dates in mind, address them directly. Give the other one a good chance to understand you already on the matter layer. You know what happens if the other layers come into, into, uh, into the action. You remember that the meta layer is the one with the least chance to be misunderstood. So concentrate on it, and but always be aware there is the other one. So tip number one, be as precise as possible. By the way, you do not have to learn it, learn these details by heart. There will be a download possibility on the session notes. So please visit embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 49. I have created a short checklist with all the details inside and it's very easy, very handsome. Please go and download it. Tip number two, listen, listen, and again, listen. As mentioned before, First thing you have to keep in mind, if you hear something, notice it. You notice something. Second step is that you interpret it. And the third step is you feel something. So if you're listening, when you should detect your own interpretations, what is the other one saying and what picture appears on your side? What do you hear? What do you feel at that moment? What what uh, what raises in your in your inner side the moment you hear what the other one is saying? Distinguish here the matter layer from all the other layers. So you might raise a question like, "What does this message do with me?" So if if I if I'm very um, very intensively listening to someone and I'm eagerly trying to understand. I am listening with, with all four ears and I have different uh, different impacts. I have different impressions. On one side, I hear a factual detail. On the other side, I, I got a feeling. On the other side, I feel suddenly embarrassed by something what the other one is very, uh, saying. And and fourth, a sudden, I feel something what I, or I, I get the impression I have to do something now. And this is, uh, this is a, quite a big mixture, but listening is essential for good communication to understand the other one. And you know, a good communication does not start with the answer. So you always should you, you always should listen to someone. Maybe there is a question, and then there is a good chance you can answer. Tip number three: raise questions or summarize. Show your understanding. So very often you hear something, and then it's very helpful to summarize it. For example, in the way to say, do I understand correctly that you and then you summarize the details you have just heard. Or something like, I've understood that you, blah, 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 blah. Is this correct? Is my understanding correct? The surprising thing is that even offensive can offensives can be handled that way. And it changes a lot. Whether you erupt on the slightest prickle on your, on your thin skin, or whether you say something like, if I hear what you say, when I feel attacked, is that what you happened? What what you wanted to happen? This is always something which, if I have done that, that that changes the situation. The the other one very often is surprised and said, uh, maybe there is someone saying, ah, not really, or something. When when you get the impression, ah, there might be the chance that was his intention, but or the the other one is completely shocked and said, no. Not not the way I didn't want it. Sorry for that, and so on. And he apologizes quite quickly. That's something which is really really interesting, and that's only on 
on, on, on things that you summarize. But if you have, for example, also not fully understood, especially in technical context, I very often observe situations where some people have the, the intention or have, uh, not the intention, have the, the, the way to operate, way simply, uh, we don't understand something, uh, but we don't ask. My my tip for you is if you do not have fully understood, then ask. Do not be shy and do not hesitate. As you have understood, the message by the sender is only part of the whole story. There is a good chance that the original message is unclear or misleading. Thus, do not be reluctant. Give your communication the chance to be successful and raise questions. And of course, use open questions. The open questions are the ones starting with a W or with an H for the how. So, uh, what, when, why, um, and when, and uh, how. So, if a question starts, starts with these words, we are open questions. When the other one has a chance to respond with, uh, with a quite elaborative or verbose answer. This was tip number three. Let's have a look at tip number four. This is something very particular I've experienced over the years. Do not use we or one if you mean I. One of the major things that dilutes common common conversation is the arbitrary replace of I with we or the even more impersonal one. So if someone says I if I if someone says we want to do that and it's regularly or it's very often the case that it the the, the correct sentence should be I want to do this and I want you to follow me. So that's the that's the real intention of the communication. And if you are on the other side, then you as a sender, you should avoid this kind of we or one. Very easy, but regularly, if someone avoids I, there is something going wrong. Very often, the one tries to hide his personal opinion or he wants to bring some distance between the sad things and himself. So um, very often you observe that if some of the department leaders have to execute commands which were given by the C-level management. And yeah, we have decided or it was decided by and so on. So it becomes very clear. It's not my decision. I'm only the executor. I'm very sorry for that. It can also mean that there is some kind of manipulation inside. I remember the time before I got graduated for for university. I have had a German teacher, and I was not really good in German. It's it's not only writing and reading; it's also some composing composing text and so on. And I was not really good at that. And there was one, and and the teacher was also not that good. That's also that was the other point. But there was one thing this guy teaches me, which has never left my brain. He said. Be very cautious if someone says we, but effectively means I. That's regularly the starting point of some kind of manipulation. And now it's up to you guys. Go to one of the of the political discussions, some kind of uh, of um, chat talk, talk um, chat talk, or whatsoever you have there in in your country, and listen what the guys say there. Are they saying I? Or are we saying we? And the moment we say we, is it a real we or is it something like kind of a hidden I? So to improve your own communication competence, start to be aware of saying we or one. Use it only if you really mean we. The use of one is very, very seldom anyway, but because it's very abstract, far away. So avoid it. Let's go to the fifth tip. Use yes and instead of yes, but. One of the most worst things in communications are responses like yes, but. That's a negative encapsulated into a positive yes. In the foreground, someone agrees, but directly afterwards, he states something very different. This phrase is very often needed, especially in technical context. Sometimes describes a situation or makes a proposal, and your answer might be yes, That means that you agree in common and the but indicates that you see some problems or you might have some improvements in mind which should be considered too. So now give yourself a time in discussion and detect whenever you say yes but and then give it a try to say yes and instead. Let's see an example. 
Maybe there is a meeting and some of the guys is saying, the CI environment must be enhanced to satisfy all stakeholders' needs. And you will say, yes, but about what about the additional invest for the R&D group? Should that be dropped? That has already some kind of negative impact, some negative attitude at all. So you are restricting, you are um, using some kind of restriction for the original sender's intention. What about if you next time say something like, so the sender says, the CI environment must be enhanced to satisfy all stakeholders' needs. What about if you then say yes? And we should not forget that also the R&D group needs additional invest. How can we bring both things together? Boom. Sounds different, doesn't it? You're not the cringe killing ideas, but the one who thinks forward and combines things. This changes a lot. So keep this tip in mind. Use yes and instead of yes but. Let's come to tip number six. Whenever possible, try to use pictures or pictural descriptions. If you have a short story or metaphor, even better. Let's listen to this one. This phone has 64 GB of RAM and lithium batteries. You can store a lot of data. You will also be able to download a lot of apps. It will, char it will have charge when you need it. So that's very factual. Let's see the opposite side. If you wear a story around this whole topic. I went to the festival, got three hours of video footage, took 500 selfies and my phone still isn't flat two days later. What's well, different, isn't it? So it's, it creates a picture on the inner side of the receiver. Then it becomes very clear what does it mean. It's not a description of the, of the facts. It, uh, it's a description of the meaning. What's the intention behind of that? Or something like, This drink has 17 vitamins, minerals, guarana, and amino acids for health and well-being. Uh, okay. But you know, furthermore, the regular way how this is announced, it's Red Bull gives you wings. That's the statement behind, uh, in front of that, which is used instead of that. So very often you have with your, with your, uh, with your buddies the context in common. This is the base of understanding. And then you can create stories. Be creative and look for metaphors, look for examples, even, even if these metaphors are not fully 100% matching. But sometimes it's even fun to have these things. And that improves um, communication instantly. Humor is always a good way to improve communication. And if you are doing metaphors, then look for examples which are understandable for everybody. Very often things like cars, traffic, airplanes, um, or playing, playing football, or uh, football soccer matches, or even household housekeeping things. These are very easy. Cycling, this is something uh, which, which has no, nearly everybody has some kind of experience with that and can imagine. And then you can break down rather complicated things to a more simple layer and everybody can handle it. This reduces the amount of misunderstanding because then you also can point out where is this metaphor, where is the example, where is the story not matching and where you get a common understanding of the whole situation. Let's come to the seventh point. Keep an eye on your and your other's body talk. That's very often a quite very rich, very strong attitude. Roughly 10% of understanding is communicated via speech. 10%. Roughly 40% are loaded on your voice tone, how you say things, the speed and the melody of your speech and the situation in which you say what. But there are approximately 50% meaning by body talk. If you are asked, how do you feel right now and you shrug clenching your shoulders while saying fine, Nobody with all senses in use will believe you. Because it's incongruent. You are saying something which does not match your body talk. In congruent communication, your body says the same as your tongue. Short experiment. Have a look at the regular TV talks with several persons sitting in the round, preferably without a desk in front of them. Now, mute the tone and only look how the guys behave. 
After a very short while, you'll detect who feels comfortable, who has been offended, who wants to escape, and the ones who will not take part in the discussion at all. And that's possible without having studied psychology. It's a natural mechanism that you can detect and interpret a lot of macro and micro movements. However, this recognition very often stays unconscious because you are trapped within the matter layer, or you think you are in the matter layer, or you are trapped in a relationship layer, and your personal gongs which might have been stroked by the speak of the, of the, of the sender. Learn to feel your body right in the situation, it becomes tricky. That's not easy and you need some exercise to get it because, you're, because your body will betray you. You can say whatever you want, your body betrays you. It's too strong, it's unconscious, it simply does it. If you feel uncomfortable, your body, your body will show it. No, no, matter, no worries. Uh, and that's always the situation where it becomes really weird because the others all detect there is something going wrong but you say no no it's everything is fine but we say it's not fine what's going on and then we are disturbed and then the communication goes in a in a completely wrong direction become aware of your body in specific situations especially when it becomes tricky how do you feel then That's not easy and you need some exercise to get it, but it's really helpful to, to detect how your inner self feels instead of only looking on the facts, what the other one is shouting at you or what's going on. You see, okay, how do I feel now? Am I, am I still comfortable? I'm exaggerated. Am I, am I angry? Am I in a rage? Am I disappointed? Am I, am, uh, could, could I sob or what, what else? And I'm, I'm feeling like I have to cry or do I want to escape? All these things might be respect, might be responded or might be expressed by your body. Uh, but it's very helpful to come in touch with these intentions because it's much, much more in your communication afterwards. Um, and you maybe do not want to do it, but you should be first be, become aware of this. And this is rather, it's, it costs a little bit of time. I for, my, I, for example, I use mindfulness or awareness. Where are some exercises to become aware of your body in especially this kind of situation where it becomes a little bit tricky? It's a way or a technique to come into closer contact with your body. So also with the feelings and your emotions. Details pop up you might have ignored with all the buzz around you. There are some very basic exercises available. And I have packed a link into the show notes to, to show you one website you might use as a starting point uh, to make some initial exercises. And there is also the, the Headspace meditation I already mentioned. I think it was episode 46 or 47. And this is also very helpful to get in touch with your, with your inner feelings. That was tip number seven. Let's come to tip number eight. If you do not see each other or you are from different cultures, be very cautious. Um, I mean, this tip is the logical conclusion out of the previous ones. So if your message is impacted by 50% by body talk, what will happen if these 50% are cut it off because you cannot see the other? And yeah, if you're in the full talk, um, your voice gets even more important. So it's very important what's your speed, what's the pitch, how is your tonality, how is the melody of your talk. Let's say that way. You must do much more to be understood the same way as you would see each other. That means you have to exaggerate every part. You must be even more precise. You must raise even more questions. You cannot expect the other side has understood initially. And this You have to, if there are no questions, regularly assume it's not understood. Ask for questions, offer answers, and of course, let room for questions. Not seeing the others regularly prolongs discussions because there is a good chance that you misunderstand because you do not even see, you do not even know uh, whether the other ones are still uh, are still online. That's very often the, the situation in, in telcos. You have 10 different people inside and only two are permanently talking with each other and you don't know what the, are the others, what, what are the other eight are doing. Yeah? So, and if you ask something and you do not get an answer, that might be caused because the one is dropped from the, from the conference or he is uh, he has his microphone muted and 
but has not unmuted it for the response and is talking into the off or something like that. So there is always some kind of overhead, sometimes quite even long overhead. And very often you, conf you are responded by, um, by a counter question like, um, I don't know if I understood the question, could you repeat it? And then you can assume the other one has not listened to it. Yeah, yeah that's always a problem if you do not see the people. And it becomes even more worse if you have different cultures and you do not see the people. And even if you see people out of other cultures, it does not mean that you can interpret their body talk correctly. Some cultures do not raise questions that easily. Sometimes we are even ashamed that they do not understand you. But there are so many things which could go wrong in communication, even with your closest friends. So how far is understanding away if you do not see each other or even more complicated you are from different cultures? For example, I change my behavior if I'm talking with, uh, with European guys or whether I'm talking with Chinese colleagues. I know that raising questions is somehow embarrassing for what a Chinese wants. So I turn it vice versa and ask them whether they can tell me what we will do now. With this feedback, I can, I can roughly guess whether they are on the same track or not. So I try to, to circumvent, I try to overcome their, hesita their, their hesitation to, uh, to raise questions. Same is for Japanese. Um, they usually need to have some of them together and they will raise questions after discussion. That's fine, no problem. But you need to take that into account. Otherwise, you get heavily astonished. You think everything is agreed because there are no questions. But two days later, the guys come up with a pile of tricky questions. I've experienced that in the very beginning very often. And then meanwhile, I get familiar with it. So if I have to do with Japanese guys, I say, okay, good. Let's, okay, these are the questions from my side uh, or my explanations. And um, what, what about if we meet in two hours, in three hours again or tomorrow? And then we discuss again. That's very warmly welcomed by the guys because I give them the opportunity opportunity to, to follow their cultural approach to in discussion and communication. Very much the complete opposite is the American style. So very open, often also very loud in communication. We are not hesitating to tell their opinion to everybody. That's no problem, but if there are other cultures engaged, they might get thrown under the bus if you do not take care for their opinions. I have observed very often um, discussions with uh, with American colleagues inside where we suddenly or immediately start to dominate the, the situation. And especially the Asian guys were completely wrecked off afterwards. So it was really, it was a disaster after that. So the results were not good because you need you need all of these guys to be engaged. Belonging to different cultures, I'm anyway planning special episodes to give you extra support. So this was only some kind of a very short glimpse into these details. So that was point number eight. If you do not see each other or you are from different cultures, be very cautious and improve your activities or enhance your activities. And now, last not least, the ninth tip I want to raise, that's improve your eloquence that's of course some kind of a long-term goal but so it, it will not happen in a few days but you for to become a very good communicator or better communicator you need to improve your eloquence so that's regularly starts that's the amazing point it does not start with speaking it starts with listening and understanding so and then afterwards after you have widened your dictionary after after you have widened your understanding of the language when you start speaking and explanation be cautious if talking in regular business english very often you get the point that if you are using english as a lingua franca and then you are yeah you are discussing and you think you are quite good at it and uh, very often the problem starts the first native speaker arrives. Then suddenly you are confronted with idioms, you are confronted with meanings, with details. You have never heard, you do not understand their, their intentional meanings and so on and so on. And this is very critical. So this is something you can reduce yourself to business English. So the globish, something like that. So global English. Uh, but it's very often not sufficient. 
But on the other side, also be very cautious at that moment. If you improve your eloquence, you anyway have to be aware of that the others might be not that good in that in in that language. So do not overemphasize it. Do not go that way that you use complicated words, complicated phrases, and all that all that different actions to uh, to highlight that you are now much more better than the others. And that also means that you have to improve your fantasy. So the way how you express things, the how how you describe things, how someone explains details. So look at the others how they do it. I very often I very often um, only see YouTube videos or series, TV series. I look them directly in English to grab some phrases, to grab some idioms, to get details, to to see how the flow of the language looks like. And this is completely independent whether you are you are doing that in English, if you're doing it in French, in, in Chinese or whatsoever. You have to become eloquent more than it's regularly needed if you are only some kind of listener or regular participant in meetings. But if you are starting to lead meetings, for example, you must be much, much more eloquent. Especially also because you have to cover all the others, the, all the other senders' meanings. Maybe you have all, uh, you have to translate things. Yeah, that also means read more. To improve your eloquence, one of the best opportunities is to read more. As mentioned before, please come to the webpage, go to the session notes at embeddedsuccess.com/episode forty nine, and download the checklist with all these nine simple tips inside. And uh, yeah, feel welcome to to get in touch with them. I think this was again a rather long session. Perhaps you might even think, why do we have such a topic in a podcast called Mastering Embedded Systems? And I think it's a valid question. But please consider that you regularly do not exist in nowhere. But you have to interact with your coworkers, you have to discuss with your boss, and you might have to teach or introduce newcomers. As mentioned at the beginning, you cannot not communicate. You cannot avoid communication. Therefore, communication is, from my perspective, the most natural thing to discuss about, independent of the main topic of the thread itself. What I would really like is that you guys would share your tips for better communication with us. Or perhaps you do not even agree with me and you have a different opinion. Fine, I'm excited to hear your details, your actions and of course your personal way of communication and how to improve it. If you have the mood, let me and the others know what you think. Go to the episode and share a comment. Or send me direct feedback via mail, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. We are at the end of the 49th episode. I'm Georg Lohrer. Thank you for listening.